You know, I believe that uh, the Word of God is true. And I love what Pastor Nett was praying just now because the Scripture clearly states in the book of Hebrews that His Word is a two-edged sword. That it's so sharp that it cuts to the very division of bone and marrow. It touches our physical bodies. Is there any reason why the Scripture says that the, the, the... uh, bread is the, uh, the healing is the bread of his children. And so I believe that today his word can touch us physically, but I also believe that his word can touch us at the very core. It says that his word is so sharp that it goes to the division of soul and spirit and joint and marrow, and it, it's, it is a discerner of the intents of our heart. It goes deep into our hearts. And so tonight, I want to encourage you to take a moment, a time, to just really just let go of whatever's been on your mind. Whatever may distract you from hearing God's word, whatever might distract you, it could be the day, it could be a worry, it can be a care, it can be a concern, it could be something that you're looking forward to doing, it could be something that you have to do, it could be your day, your your schedule tomorrow. Pause. There's a musical term in the Psalms that says, Selah, and it simply means... It it, it was an indication to a musician, this is a point where we pause and we reflect upon what we've just sung. So, Selah, pause. I want to start off tonight by asking you a simple question. I want you to imagine that someone came to you with a blank check. This is someone of great means. And this person came to you with a blank check. And they placed it in your hands and they asked you, what do you want? How would you respond? What would you write on that check? I want you to think about that. I want you to imagine deeper still, if someone of great means came and they gave you a blank paper and they said to you, on this paper, write whatever terms... Whatever stipulations you want for whatever you are asking for, whatever you need, you draw up the contract, you draw up the terms, you draw up how much, you draw up what it is, and no matter what it is, I will fulfill that request. Let me ask you a question. What would you ask for? What do you want? A couple of days ago, I sent out, I think it was yesterday, I sent out a video message and I, I, and I wanted to share with the congregation, and I said, I said to each and every one of you, what is it that you want? And come tonight with that question, simmering in your heart, ready to place that before the Lord. Tonight, I want to invite you to lean into the Holy Spirit. To consider what our great teacher would speak to us from his word, not my opinion. As we dig into the topic, what do you want? What is it that you want? You know, there are some who believe that it's wrong to think that God would ask you, what do you want? But I submit to you that for those that are of that opinion, they are wrong. Because the scriptures clearly indicate to us that God cares about our desires 
more than some of us care to ask. And so tonight, I believe that you came here with expectation. I believe that you came here seeking after the Lord. I believe that you came here with great faith. And I believe that even right now, you're considering what God is asking you. You know, in Luke chapter 12, starting at verse 31, we have a great example of the Father's heart. Jesus speaking says, but seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. Just for context, Jesus was speaking to his disciples whom he was about to send out to do the greater things that he said they could do. The things that he had done in greater things. And so he's about to send them out and he says to them, but as you're doing this, seek the kingdom. Seek my kingdom. Seek my Father's kingdom. And he says, and these things will be given to you as well. And then he goes on to address what was going on in their hearts. He says, do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so Jesus was addressing the concern that plagued the hearts of these disciples. He was sending them out, but they had concerns that were much like many of ours today. If we could just tell on ourselves without shouting ourselves out. I want you to be honest with yourself. Have you ever had a moment where you felt God was leading you to do something? And then you thought, well, how am I supposed to do this? <laughs> how am I supposed to do this? I don't have enough. I don't know enough. I don't have the resources. I don't have the people. I don't have the know-how. I don't have the experience. And I want you to consider what Jesus was saying to his disciples and what he says to us. He says, don't be afraid. Listen to his answer. For it pleases the Father to give you his kingdom. His kingdom. See, Jesus was sending them out. But they had concerns about possessions about questions, about the future, about needs, and they were afraid to go. And the reason why they were afraid to go was because they didn't know what they had received. Let me ask you a question. If you are a child of God, could you just raise your hand and be loud and proud about it right now? I just want to see how many of those. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And those of you online, amen. Now, I want you to consider what the Scripture says that you have. Jesus said that the Father was pleased to give them, to give us his kingdom. Now, think about this. It is God's good pleasure to bestow upon you his royalty. His royalty. His kingdom, and with the kingdom comes kingdom provision. 
With the kingdom comes kingdom direction. With the kingdom comes kingdom works. With the kingdom comes kingdom supply, kingdom strength, kingdom uh, backing. See, when you go to work, you have God's kingdom at your disposal, which gives you the ability to create wealth. That's what Deuteronomy chapter 8 says. When you're pressed, the kingdom guarantees that while you're pressed, you will not be crushed. When you don't have the answers, the scripture says that you have the mind of Christ, that you have an anointing, and you know all things. The kingdom supplies that. When you suffer loss, the scripture declares that you will have restored unto you sevenfold that which the thief has taken from you. When you're up, the kingdom is the foundation upon which you stand. That which lifts you up. When you're overflowing with joy, it's the kingdom of God and the spirit of God working in you. And when you're down, the scripture clearly declares that while weeping may endure for the night, the kingdom promises that joy comes in the morning. That you will always step into a season of better. And when you lose sight of the kingdom that God backs you, you end up living backwards. Listen to the guarantee that Hebrews 4 verses 14 through 16 gives us. It says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Watch this. Let us then, in other words, as a result of this, let us then approach God's throne of grace with what? Confidence. Confidence. Confidence in what? That every time we go to the Father, we receive mercy and we find grace to help us in our time of need. Let me tell you something. That's better than a blank check. I want you to consider what the scripture, that's a promise from the Father. That's the promise from the Father. And what I love about this is you got to understand the history here. I, I won't dig in too deep. But notice that the Scripture says that we have a high priest. In Old Testament times, it wasn't just anyone that could go before God, before the Ark of the Covenant and the Holy of Holies. There was only one person that could do that, and this person was assigned by Lot on a yearly basis, it was the high priest. This person had to go through all these ceremonial rituals and cleansings and sacrifices, and they had to uh, fit a certain model. They couldn't have even moles. They couldn't have aberrations in their skin. Uh, it, it was, there was a whole bunch of stuff that, that went along with this. In essence, this person had to be someone who qualified. And this person would go before the Ark of the Covenant and they would present sacrifices. They would present offerings. They would plead on the behalf of the people. And the scripture says in the Old Testament that 
because of this high priest, the sins of the people would be atoned for on a temporary basis. But the scripture says that Jesus is our high priest. And our high priest provided the ultimate sacrifice. He didn't go to the Ark of the Covenant. He went into heaven itself to the very throne room of the Father and presented his blood, the scripture reveals, on the mercy seat. And he provided for us eternal forgiveness. What does that mean? That there was no longer a barrier between us and God. I'm going to tell you why that's important. Because what the scripture is revealing here is that we have the guarantee that every time we go to the Father, we don't have to knock on a door. There's nothing between us and the Father. The only thing that's there for us when we go to the Father is mercy and grace in our time of need. Now, I want you, I, I'm laying some groundwork here per the instruction of the Holy Spirit, because I want you to consider the approach and the access that you have to the Father. You know, in, in old kingdom uh, 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 times, we don't live in a kingdom system. We live in a democratic system, which robs us of the mentality of a kingdom approach to the Father. But in a kingdom in those days, when you went, it wasn't, you couldn't just walk in to the king. You had to be granted permission. And if you walked in without permission, you'll see this in the book of Esther, you, you could very well be sentenced to death. Get this. That's not for you and me before the Father. He gives us grace and mercy. Grace and mercy. We have access. We have unlimited access to God. And so there was once a man who found himself destitute, cast down, in need, struggling to survive. He was a blind beggar, a man named Bartimaeus. And I want to I invite you to join with me in seeing what the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us in this moment before we go into a, a position, a place of prayer tonight. Mark chapter 10, verse 46 says, Then they came to Jericho. Everybody say Jericho. Jericho. Remember that point. As Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city. They were leaving the city of Jericho. There was a blind man, a man named Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, who was sitting by the roadside and he was begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, notice, he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth. In other words, this is what people were commenting about Jesus. It's Jesus of Nazareth. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout something completely different. He said, Jesus, son of David, have what? Mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped. Let me bring full clarity to that statement. God stopped. He stopped. And he said, call him. So they called this blind man and they said to him, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. And throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. 
verse 51. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. What do you want me to do for you? In this very moment, I want us to consider what 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17 says. It says that his word is useful to teach us, to reprove us, to correct us, to instruct us in all righteousness, and it thoroughly equips us unto every good work. That's what the word of God is to you and I. Why do I reference that portion of scripture? Because at this very moment, you have to understand that there is something useful that God is speaking directly to you and I. These are not my words. I take no credit. I am not the author of these words. These words were not just uh, transcribed for us to to, to be able to reflect on uh, from a foreign standpoint as, the, as if they're abstract. No, this is the word of God to you, to me, to us. It is the living word of God. It is the same word of God that Jesus said is life and spirit. It is the word of God that is a double-edged sword that goes deep into our hearts tonight. It is the word of God that gives us instruction and shows us that which is to come as the Holy Spirit brings us back to the truth and points us forward. It is the words of the Father and the Father says, what do you want me to do for you? God Almighty stopped. He says, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Remember, it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Notice that the scripture doesn't say to give you a place to stay in the kingdom. It doesn't say to give you a title in the kingdom. It doesn't say to, to just give you a portion of the kingdom. No, God gives you the entire kingdom. You know why? Because a king's kids possess everything that belongs to the king. Thus the scripture says that he has blessed you with every spiritual blessing. The scripture declares that he is giving you everything that pertains to life and godliness. The scripture says that nothing will he withhold from you. The scripture says that you can ask, that you can seek, that you can knock, and that you will receive, that the door will be open, and you will get what God, what you are asking of the Father if you ask it in his name. God says, what do you want me to do for you? I pray that you came here with an answer to that question. I came that you came here with a great expectation of the Father because it is his pleasure to answer you tonight. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Watch what Jesus said to him. Go. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. You know, because of his blindness, this man Bartimaeus was deemed useless. He was relegated to the lowest rungs of society in this day and age. As a beggar on, the, on a road in the city of Jericho. But the thing is that this man was not blind 
just to the physical world around him. Bartimaeus was blind to the destiny that lay dormant within him. I'll tell you why I say that. Because the name Bartimaeus means son of Timaeus, and the name Timaeus means highly favored one. And so if he's the son of one who is highly favored, then he carries the same lineage and the same inheritance, the same right as the one who is favored above him. What am I saying with that? This was a favored man. Let me ask you a question. Do you know the favor that rests upon you? Do you know that you are the head, not the tail? That you are above only. You are never beneath. Do you realize that the scripture says that there are cities that God has laid up for you that you did not build? That there are vineyards that you will reap from that you did not plant? Ask yourself this question. Do you expect that way? Do you believe that way? Because that's the Father's opinion. Oh, that's not, that's not humility. No, you know what humility is? You know what humility is not? Humility is not accepting what the Word of God says so that we can falsely act humble before the eyes of others. That's false humility. You know what humility is? Humility is accepting what the word of God declares about you. And it's not that you flaunt it, but you wear your crown and you walk according to the anointing upon your life. And so many saw Jesus this day. But let me point your attention to something. Jesus only stopped for one. Get this, the entire crowd is seeking something. They're seeking something. Some were seeking him for his reputation, others for his miraculous works, others out of curiosity that Bartimaeus saw Jesus for who he was. How do we know that? Jesus, son of David. While everybody else said it's Jesus of Nazareth, Bartimaeus cries out and he says, no, Jesus promised Messiah, the one that would come from the line of David, the promised Savior, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus calls him as we read and he says, what do you want me to do for you? And he replied, I want to see Now, this request sounds selfish at face value because, after all, this is a blind man saying, hey, just open my eyes. I just want to see like everyone else. But the reply that Jesus gave him in response to his request reveals his true motives. Let me point your attention to what Jesus responded. Jesus said, your faith has healed you. You got to understand that Bartimaeus had faith for more than the opening of his eyes. Bartimaeus cried out, Jesus, you are the Savior. Jesus, you're the promised one. You are the king that we've been expecting. 
You are God in the flesh. Jesus, Savior, have mercy on me. Do you see where his faith lied? And so, while he was blind, he was able to see Jesus for who he was. While everyone else around was walking with eyes wide shut. Walking with Jesus and not recognizing that he was Jesus the Savior, not Jesus of Nazareth. And so, I want you to consider the essence of this moment, this encounter. God stopped for a man for a human being, for a person like you and me, a person who had needs, a person who had suffered loss, a person who found himself down, a person who some people overlooked, who some people mistreated, a man who nobody gave a place to in society, and they said, no, no, you're blind. Your place is on the side of a road begging. God stopped for a man, and God asked this question, what do you want me to do for you? My friends, Just like Joshua, just like Bartimaeus, Joshua, the scripture says, he cried out and he prayed. And the sun stopped moving. And up until that day, there had never been a man whom had spoken that God had stopped all creation, all the earth from doing what it did. What I want you to consider is this. God inclines his ear to you. And I want you to see yourself on this road. I want you to see yourself with your petition. And I want you to consider this right now. God has stopped for you. What do you want me to do for you? Before we take a moment in prayer and we continue in worship, I just want to just give you some sound direction. Some issues that address the matter of the heart if we're to receive. I want to start off by simply saying you seek Jesus before you seek what you want. Bartimaeus was crying out for the Savior before he cried out for his eyes. He was seeking Jesus before he sought the opening of his eyes. Our greatest desire and petition should be to worship Jesus and know him. Not to seek Jesus for what we get from him. 
Proverbs 8.17 puts it this way. I love them that love me. And those that seek me early, watch this, shall find me. Now that word early there doesn't speak about a time of day. It speaks about priority. Those who seek me first. Let me ask you a question. Before you go seeking a solution or seeking something to make happen on your own, do you seek God? When you find yourself in need, is it your inclination, it is, is it your habit and response to go and try and make it happen for yourself before you even go to the Father? See, you got to understand something. When you dismiss the Father, when you overlook the Father, you overlook the kingdom. And we begin to operate according to the world's system, which is the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, pride of life. That's what the scripture says. And so seek Jesus before you seek what you want. Let that be your heart's desire always. The next thing I want to share with you is that we are to only seek Jesus. Only seek Jesus for what you want. I'm going to emphasize that word only. Seek Jesus for what you want. Bartimaeus was putting his livelihood on the line as he shouted out continuously, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Why do I say that? Because he was surrounded by many of the very people that routinely took pity on him. People that gave him alms. And so to go against their attempts to shut him up, put him at jeopardy of losing the pity and the alms that these people routinely gave him. He went against the grain. Why? Because you see, to him, none of their alms mattered. None of their opinions mattered. None of their attempts to quiet him mattered. Why? Because Bartimaeus had found all that he wanted. He cried for the Savior. He cried out for Jesus. The last thing I want to encourage you with before we take a moment in prayer, and I'm just giving you some foundational things to consider, to, to test the intents of your own heart before we take time to pray. I want you to consider this. Keep seeking Jesus after you've received what you want. Keep seeking Jesus after you've received what you want. You know, it's easy to be fervent in prayer, devoted in worship when we have a need. It's easy to do that then. But what about after your provision? Are you just as fervent? Are you just as devoted? Are you just as excited? Are you just as committed? The most beautiful part of this story lies in what Bartimaeus did after receiving his healing. Scripture says that he continued to follow after Jesus on the road. Hmm. I'm reminded of a song that they were playing earlier in the background. It's a song by a guy named Cody Carnes. It's a song titled, Nothing Else. 
And I love the lyrics in this song. There's a part where he says, I'm not here for blessing. He says, Jesus, you don't owe me anything. He says, more than anything that you can do, I just want you. I just want you. Nothing else. Just you. I'm going to ask you to take a moment to stand. And I want you to consider the weight of this statement. When we no longer seek God just for his blessings, then we have time to seek him for himself. When we no longer seek God just for his blessings, then we have time to seek him for himself. Tonight, we're going to take a moment to worship. And by that, I'm not alluding to the simple act of singing songs. My friends, that is not worship. It can be. But worship is our active response to a revelation of who God is. It's more than song. And today, what I want you to consider is that we've taken time, as I was saying earlier, for those of you that were here, to see the cloud, to set the tone for our expectation, to gain understanding and see that it is God's will to answer your petition tonight, that it pleases him to give you the kingdom. before we do so, I want us to join together in partaking of the very act that Jesus called us all to commemorate. You know, the scripture says that in his final moments, Jesus took bread and he took a cup. he said, as often as you take this bread and you drink from this cup, do this in remembrance of me. Now, I want to point your attention to what Jesus wanted us to do. Jesus wasn't calling us to ritually drink from a cup and eat a wafer for the sake of a religious observance. No, Jesus wanted us to remember something. And tonight, before we take a moment to respond in worship, I think it's appropriate for us to remember and understand the God whom we worship and his love for us. You see, Jesus said that by the stripes upon his back, we are healed. The scripture declares that he was bruised for our transgression, for our sin, that he was crushed for our iniquity and that the chastisement, the punishment for us to live in peace with God was upon him and that by his stripes we are healed. 
And so today as we take the bread and we break it, I want you to consider that what this reminds us of is that Jesus took everything upon himself for us. Our brokenness, our iniquity, our sickness, any malady, any disease, he took it all upon his body so that we could be whole. And I'm telling you, for some of you, you may, you may be wanting prayer today for some sort of physical sickness. I'm telling you, you don't have to wait for somebody to pray for you. You just have to partake of what the kingdom has provided. The scripture doesn't say, by his stripes you will be healed. The scripture says, you are healed. And so today, with understanding, take, eat, in remembrance of him. Go ahead and take a moment right there. Just to thank him for the great exchange. He truly gave us beauty for ashes. Hmm. He truly gave us strength and peace. He truly redeemed us and restored us and made us anew. And provided us the opportunity to walk in a new life. Thank you, Jesus. There are some here today that maybe your understanding of what you might be experiencing in your body is generational. Oh, this, just, this is just something that runs in our family line. Let me tell you what the scripture says. Peter said this way. He said he was cursed upon the tree. He became accursed for us, is what the scripture says. And then Peter asserts what the book of Isaiah says in chapter 53. He says, and by his stripes, we were healed. Listen, cancer, sickle cell, anemia, diabetes, cholesterol, heart disease, those things may have run in your family line. But you got to understand something, child of God. That stopped with you because the blood of Jesus has given you something completely brand new. And so it may have run through your family line, but it stops with you right here, right now. Receive that understanding and thank God for your healing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In like manner, the scripture reveals that Jesus took the cup. And he said, this cup is the blood of my new covenant. My blood which has been shed, which, which will be shed for you. You got to understand what Jesus was saying. We don't understand this easily, but the disciples understood what he was saying in that moment. Because you see, the people of Israel understand covenant. Covenant is God made a covenant with man. And if you just go back to the book of Genesis, what you'll see is that God provided the sacrifice, cut the sacrifice in half, laid it out, and then told Abraham, the father of faith, says, now you come through. 
led him through, and then said to him, I swear to you that I will bless you and I will bless the nations through you, through your seed. You got to understand that that seed was Jesus. And that seed has been sown into our lives. And so what that means is this, that we now are the recipients, the inheritors of a new covenant that declares that because of the sacrifice of Christ, you are holy, you are acceptable to God, you are his child, nothing can separate you from his love. You may change your mind, but God is unchanging. He remains the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He is always with you to the very end of the age is what the scripture says. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness towards us. We thank you for your great mercy and your grace. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for your love. Take, drink, in remembrance of this eternal covenant. Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.